0: the following is a very important message. Do you ever wonder where your poop goes? Well, Eries, it seems like we have come to the end of another season of Happy Horror, Coffee Break, old-time horror radio show. Then why does it still feel like an eternal hell? Probably because I never let you leave the studio. <laughs> we still got our work cut out for us starting the new season. <laughs> Let me die. Not a chance. You still got to edit this story. We're going to end this season, episode 20 of season 3, with the three-skeleton key. A short story by the French author Georges Gustave Tudos. Sounds like a shitty SoundCloud rapper. Kinda. This is the redo of the 1950 radio broadcast on Escape with Vincent Price. Um, I'm sure your one audience member will love it. What an audience member! Here's so we have listeners all over the world. You know this. What are you talking about? One. I'm talking about your mama. Don't you talk about my mama? <clears throat> oh, let's uh, let's get on with the show. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape! Designed to free you from the four walls of today... For a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to a lonely lighthouse off the steaming jungle coast of French Ghana and the nightmare world of terror and violence as we bring Three Skeleton Key, starring Vincent Price. Picture this place. A gray tapering cylinder welded by iron rods and concrete. To the key itself, a bare black rock, 150 feet long, maybe 40 wide, that's at low tide. At high tide, just the lighthouse, rising 110 feet straight up out of the ocean. And all about it, the churning water, gray-green, scum-dappled, warm as soup, and swarming with Gigantic bat-like devilfish, great violet schools of Portuguese man-of-war, and yes, sharks. Wait, uh, I'm only a dolphin, ma'am. The big ones, the 15-footers, and as if this weren't enough, there was a hot, dank, rotten-smelling wind that came at us day and night off the jungle swamps and mainland. A wind that smelled like death. A wind that had smelled the slow and frightful death that came one night to this bare black rock. Set in the base of the light was a watertight bronze door. And in you went. And up, yes, up and up, and round and round, past the tanks of oil and the coils of rope, casks of wicks and racks of lanterns, sacks of spuds, and cartons and cans, and up and up and up, round and round. Over the light storeroom was the food storeroom, and over the food storeroom was the bunk room where the three of us slept, and over the bunk room was the living and cooking room, and over the living and cooking room was the light. She was a beauty, big star steel and bronze baby, with the sun gleaming through the glass walls and all about, bouncing blinding little beams off the big shiny reflectors, glittering and refracting through her lenses. The whole gigantic bulk of her bounced like a ballerina on the glistening steel axle of her rotary mechanism. She was a sweetheart of a light. At night, you'd lie there on the stone deck of the gallery, with her revolving smoothly and quietly over your head, easing her bright, wide eye 360 degrees around the horizon. You'd lie there watching to see if the feeders kept working, that everything ran right, and it wouldn't be bad. The two other fellows snoring in their sacks two levels down, you'd smoke your pipe to kill the stink of the wind, and it wouldn't be bad. About those other two, Louis and Augusta, what a pair. Louis... He was head man, was a big fellow from the Basque country. Black beard, little hard black eyes. Like a doll's eye. And a pair of arms that, I tell you, those those arms were as big around as my legs. Yes, head man he was. And what word he did let go was law, a silent fellow. And although I spent my first two weeks trying to strike up a real conversation, the most I could ever get out of him was... Hey, <laughs> John, <laughs> I took up this profession because I don't like people, you know? They want to talk too much, eh? It's quiet work, light tending. Let's keep it that way, huh? You, you're going to get to be as bad as Augusta, huh? Yeah? I thought maybe for once they'd send me somebody who could keep his mouth shut. That was Lewis. When he accused me of becoming like Augusta, I quieted down because Augusta was the talkingest man BABY I'd ever met, the talkingest, and the ugliest. He was hunchbacked, stood four feet high, and red hair and big blue eyes. It seems he'd been an actor in Paris. Yes, yes indeed, played in over two hundred different productions, dear boy, at the grand gig now. Oh, but it was monstrous, horribly, the way we used to scare the audiences. I was hated. Yes. Yes, they used to throw things and hiss and bared their teeth at me. Finally, it got too bad. I couldn't stand it any longer. I gave up the theater. My nerves, you understand. Yes, gave it up completely. I, I really did. Couldn't stand it any longer. It all started one morning at 2 30. I was on watch, lying on the cool stone deck, pulling on my pipe. <laughs> Staring at the blackness, the phosphorescent comers, and the big yellow stars. When out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something show up for a second. Something the light had touched far off. I waited for her to come around again, and when she did, there it was. A three-master. A big one. About a half mile off and coming down out of the north-northwest. Coming straight for us. You must understand, our light was where it was for a very good reason. Dangerous submerged reefs surrounding us and keeping ships clear. But this one, this sailing vessel, was coming straight on. I went over to the gallery door and yelled, Lewis! Lewis! Couldn't understand it. I waited for the light to come around again. What is it? What a Ship headed for the reef! Coming right up! I had the glasses out now. I couldn't read her name, but I could see her quite plainly. All sail set, and the foam creaming away under her bow. Her beautiful lines. A Dutch ship, I guessed her. But why didn't she turn? Every time it passed, our light hit her with the glare of day. Ship, where? North, northwest. The light will touch her any moment. Hey, can't they see it? Look at her. She just keeps coming on. Yeah, the square heads. What is it? What is it? Watch. North, northwest. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know what it is. Eh? Yeah? What? It's the Dutchman. The Flying Dutchman. We did a play about it once. Oh, what a performance. You guest the guardian. Downridden. Curse ridden. Shut up, will you? She's laughing. Yes. Sloppy way to come about, huh? She's derelict, that's it. Derelict? No, no, abandoned. The crew left it for some reason or another, but, in, maybe, but instead of sinking, she's gone on, running before every wind. She'll not run for long, not with these rocks to break her up. Beautiful ship, huh? Now why would men leave a beautiful ship like that? She didn't ram us, although we expected it. But as we waited for the crash, she left again, caught some odd gust, and went about. We watched her the rest of those black hours, healing and rocking, pushed and pulled by every stray wind, every freak current. Watched her until the dawn came, till the sea turned from black to pearly gray. And on she came again, heading for us. We all had our glasses trained to her now. Augustine, you can kill the light. All right, Chief. She doesn't look so good by daylight. Thinks she'll be gone around this time? What? I, I say, do you think she'll be gone around this time? This is impossible. Absolutely impossible. What? Here, take my glasses. They're better than yours. Alright. What is it, your? I had to focus, and then my breath froze in my throat. The decks were swarming with dark brown carpet that looked like a gigantic fungus, but undulating. And on the masts and yards, the guys and all were hundreds. No. Thousands. No, I don't know. An endless, inestimable number of enormous rats. See them? Yes, I see them. Now we know why she's derelict, eh? (laughs) Yes, now we know. See, what are you two doing? Here, give me a look. Yeah, give him the glasses. Take a good look, huh? You chatterbox. Give you something to talk about. She's still heading for us. Yeah. If she's going to turn, she'd better turn soon. Suppose she doesn't, huh? You mean, suppose she piles up on the key. It is low tide. Yes. Yes, it is. Where's all the conversation, Augusta? <laughs> hey, here, want the glasses again? You want another look at... No. Hey! no. She's still coming on. Go away. Go away. Turn, will you? Turn, I say. I pray you turn. The ship breaks apart on the reef. She's cracking up. The rats look underwater like a carpet. They're swimming. Sure they're swimming. Those are ship's rats. But they're swimming for the rocks. Uh Uh-oh. The door below. It is open. Come on. Down we went. Racing down the stone stairs. Taking them three and four at a time. Scared? You bet we were scared. Augusta, you get the windows. Maybe they can climb. We don't know. Right, chief, but hurry, hurry! Look, see them? No, oh, oh, yes, I do. Up the other end of the rock. Look at them, millions. The smellers, eh? Here they come! Close the door. Can't, can't. It's stuck. Here, let me. Uh... Mm. Ah! Made it. That was close. Got one in. Look there. Get him. Come back here! He was as big as a tomcat, bigger. His eyes were wild and red. His teeth, long and sharp and yellow. He went for us, starved and ravenous, and we fought that one rat all over the room. It was, oh believe me, I do not exaggerate. It was like fighting a panther. Got him! Hey, <laughs> we better get aloft. As we ran up the winding staircase, we passed the tiny windows at the various levels and at every one was thick, raving, wriggling, screaming curtains of brown fur. I was ahead of Lewis and I dreaded each successive level. Suppose they had found a way in. Look at them, would you look at them? It's a nightmare. Oh, would you look at them? The air of the gallery was thick and fetid, with the stink of them. The light was dim, brown, filtered through the crawling mass that swarmed over the glass all about us. We could not see the sky. Nothing, nothing but them. Their red eyes. Dow's eyes. Their claws, their wriggling, hairy snouts, their teeth, the rats. They screamed and howled and threw themselves against the glass. They were starving, and we three, we stood very quietly, very, very quietly, in the corner of the glass room, under the beautiful light, and we waited. Oh, what can we do? Take it easy, old man. Take it easy. I can't. I simply can't. It won't do any good to stand here and shake. Yeah, that's right. Anybody... uh, Anybody want a cigarette? Oh, yes. Oh, me, 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 me. I want one. Good morning. We've got to keep calm about this thing, yeah? Here's a light. <laughs> oh, they don't like the fire, do they? Guess not. Give me another match. They don't like that match. <laughs> oh, turn the lights on. Don't rile them, Augustine. Well, oh, give me more matches. I'll strike them, and 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 and maybe they'll get scared and go away. They won't go away. Not until... Finish it, Chief. Not until what? Not until they've been... Fed. You can take just so much horror, and then you can get used to it. And they were interesting to watch. They couldn't understand the glass. They could see us, and they could rush at us. But that thin, invisible barrier... Held them off, stopped them. From time to time, we caught a glimpse of the rocks below. More rats were down there, swarming, brown velvet in the bright, tropical sunlight. And then the tide began to rise. If only it had drowned some of them. Ships' rats, don't drown. No, sir, no, sir. You cannot drown one of them. They're all climbing up the tower. This bunch around us is getting thicker. Yeah. Say, what's the time? It's a quarter to six. You got first watch, John. Right. Oh, uh, wait me at ten. I will. Come along, Augusta. It was getting dark. One side of the room was lit in soft filtered red. Sunset through the rats. Oh ho, very pretty. I set the weights, checked my fuel, and then lit the lamp. It caught them lit them in a gigantic wriggling web of pale, hairless bellies, twitching red tails, bright eyes, and I started the rotary motor. The light drove them mad as she swung slowly and smoothly about. It blinded them in the fierce, stabbing bar of light, moving continually about, ever turning, ever touching, ever moving around and around, and they, twisting and stuttering, eyes flaming when they were struck by the light, the bright light moving in behind on the dark side of the room, so close, so close I dared not turn my back, but you cannot help turning it back when you are in a room made of glass. On the dark side of the room you could not see them, only their eyes, thousands of points of blank red light, blinking and twinkling like the stars of hell. Louis relieved me at 10, but I didn't get much sleep that night, and when I came up into the gallery there early next morning, there stood Augustine, his back to me. He was bowing to the rats, waving his arms and making a speech. My dear, dear audience, I am going to play for you that magnificent role which made me the toast of the Paris Theater, evil genius of the medieval underworld. I am here to guide the dark soul of thee into the nether parts. (laughs) (laughs) Do not be frightened. Little children, I will not hurt you. I stood staring at him. Horror struck, but he didn't notice me. The man had gone mad. Baby! He kept turning, telling his stories to all the rats, leaving no one out. Augusta! Augusta! Ah, another one. A latecomer. You, you there, take a seat in the aisle, dear patron. guest? stop it. Stop it. Move over there. Scoot, scoot. Let this patron be seated. But he didn't stop. He went on bowing and scraping to the rats, his big blue eyes rolling and winking, his wild red hair waving about him. I grabbed him by the arms and slapped his face. Oh, mm. He looked at me like a child, and then his face screwed up. He looked as though he were about to cry. Go below. Go on. <laughs> Very well. <laughs> later, my dear audience. Matinee later today. Sure, he was crazy, but I guess we all were. A few hours later, he came back up and caught Lewis and me teasing the rats. Yes, sounds horrible. Haha, <laughs> but it was fun. We would get right up against the glass and make faces at them. It drove them crazy. They would scratch away, trying to get at her eyes. Louis was even cuter about it. He'd pull a piece of bread out of his pocket and press it against the glass. The rats would scramble into a solid ball, biting at each other, clustering like grapes. From time to time, a whole knot of them would slip and fall 110 feet to the surf below. <laughs> Look at the sharks! <laughs> They're eating them. Yeah, the sharks are our friends here. <laughs> yeah, here, I'll get another bunch together. <laughs> Yeah, my beauties. Hey, <laughs> that's it. Pile up. Hey, <laughs> kill each other. Ha <laughs> ha. There you go. Hey, <laughs> hey. Augusta joined in too. Oh, very ingenious, Augusta. He learned that if he spread-eagled himself against the glass, they'd bunch and bundle against his figure. Then he'd leap back. Look, my portrait in rats. <laughs> it went on all day and then I was lying in bed it was about midnight I was very tired I was just beginning to fall to sleep when I became conscious of a new sound couldn't figure it out at first I got up lit the lamp and went to the window even as I looked at it I saw one of the panes begin to sag in they had eaten the wood away Lewis! Lewis, come quick! (laughs) What is it? They found a way in. I held the glass with my hand. Now they were all going crazy, and assured of the success of this maneuver, they were all nibbling away at the wood. Lewis ran below and returned with a large sheet of tin. We spread it against the window and hammered it into place. Even as we did so, we felt the heavy bodies thudding against the other side as the window gave way. If it doesn't work, we're done for. <laughs> Rats can't eat tin. No, they can't. What was that? I don't know. It came from below. The storeroom window. They're in! Oh, they're swarming up the stairs! Ah! Drop the trap. Right. Two of them got in. Let's go after them. We didn't have to go after them. They came at us. I leapt to one side and grabbed a marlin spike, swung, and smashed one in midair. I whirled to see Lewis with the other. It had ripped his hand open and the blood was pouring all over the place. He held his hand aloft and kicked at the snarling rat. I stepped and swung and got him. My hand! Uh, He got my hand! Uh... That's both of them, Lewis. I, I'll i get you something to tie that up. Blood, oh, look at it, Oh, my, my blood, I'm bleeding, hey, hey. Now, don't worry about it. Here, look, I'll wind this kerchief around it. It'll be okay. Blood, there now. It's not bad, it's just flesh. Then I became conscious of another new sound. They were gnawing their way through the wooden trap door. I watched the wood, fascinated. And even as I did, it began to give way, and a bristling, whiskery nose showed through. Louis, we've got to go up. Next level was the living quarters, and the kitchen. I slammed the trapdoor there too, but it too was wood. My my blood. What are we going to do? I don't know. They'll be through this one in a moment. The gallery. The trapdoor in the gallery is metal. Good, come on. We made it. We lay across the trapdoor, exhausted, while below us the rats took over the entire tower. I could hear them howling and fighting over the food supply and our water and our leather. And all about us, the others screamed and glared in at us, swayed in a tangled mass, hypnotized by the ever-turning light. By morning, the air in the little room was horrible. Until now, we'd been getting air from the tower below. Now that was sealed off. So was all our food and water. We lay exhausted, panting, waiting, waiting. The hours crawled on. I was almost dozing from fatigue when I saw a sight that brought me to, fast. Would you like to come in, my darlings? My beauties, would you? I alone hold the powers between life and death, and I can let you in. Augusta was standing by the glass, and in one hand he held a wrench. (laughs) <laughs> he was tapping the glass gently. Not quite hard enough to break it. I eased myself to my feet slowly, very slowly. Tiptoed toward him. All I have to do is just tap a little harder. <laughs> tap a little harder. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I tackled him. I found a coil of wire in the toolkit and I trussed him up, fastened him to a stanchion in the center of the room. Lewis was of no help. He lay on his side, looking at his bloody hand, weak and sick as a baby. So there I was, a lunatic and a coward for a company. And all about, watching our little drama, was the rats. The day dragged by. The supply boat wasn't due for another twelve days. I don't know what they could have done if they had come. We had only one way of summoning them, and it was to shoot off distress rockets. But the rockets were four floors below. And even if they'd been right there in the gallery, I couldn't have opened a window to fire them. That night, I tended the light, but its flame was devouring our oxygen. The following day, we lay thirst-tormented, starving, waiting. And the following night, I again tended the light, but the small supply of spare wicking we kept in the gallery had become exhausted and quite suddenly. About midnight, the light went out. Nothing I could do. The wicks were stored three levels below. Nothing I could do. Nothing. From time to time, I'd strike a match to see the clock. And when I did, it lit up the million red eyes about us. All about watching, waiting. Below it had grown quiet. They'd cleaned us out, and now they, too, were waiting. All waiting. And then the rats, quite suddenly, were silent. And then I heard it, and then I saw the sky and the stars. The rats were gone, I went to the glass. Out there in the water, a small freighter, a banana boat, showing a few lights came softly and innocently at us. The light was out, they didn't know. I wanted to open the windows to call out to them, to warn them somehow, but I was afraid. She grounded very softly on a reef not 200 yards from the quay. Grounded so gently, that the man playing the cornet, was he a passenger, or crewman, or watch? He didn't even stop playing. They tried washing her back off. I could have told them to save their fuel. The tide was rising. Would have floated her free. And I waited. That's all. That's the story. The sun came up and there wasn't a rat on the whole key. Every last one of that terrible army had left us. Gone back to sea, on their new ship. Augusta, insane asylum. He never recovered. Louis, they took him into Cayenne, where he died of blood poisoning from his bite. Oh, oh yes. Well, that's the whole of it. And if you'll excuse me now, I must go set my traps. No, no. Mouse traps. No rats in this lighthouse. I should say not. Life in the lights isn't bad, but sometimes when I see a strange vessel approaching, I get a little nervous. Sure. Somewhere in the seas, there's a little banana boat without a crew. Hey! That is, without a human crew. Well, that's it for the... That's it for the, the, the story, but... Looks like we're gonna have to cut out a little bit, uh, Early, uh... Seems like we're being bombarded. <laughs> Ares! <laughs> did you uh did you give away our location by any chance to uh, anybody that might want us, you know, dead? Not today, but it's an airstrike ordered from the Pentagon for show. I recognize it anywhere. I was able to trace the calls from the Pentagon back to the lower fourth dimension. Chicago! Ares! Get Hans go forward on the line. You'd have a little talk with. Have known. I told you not to tangle with that fool. Now look what you've done. Hey, it's my party. I can die if I want to. No, you can't. And now might be a good time for us to skip down. Ares, get the jet skis. Yeah, about that. I got us a new mode of transportation. What is it? Oh, it's gonna be a long ride. Well, let's go. Oh, your coffee break